Her name is Marie Osmond, of course. Marie, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. You're a show business legend, but you're too young to be a show business legend. Uh, but you have been doing this for, what, five decades now? Well, I hate to correct you, but it's six decades. Ah! <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yet yeah, you are. Crazy? It is, because you started. The, the unique thing about starting so young and being a big star so very young, and I want to talk to you about this. You met at one point in time. Everyone who's everyone in show business, all of these showbiz legends. And I want to ask you about a few, if you don't mind. And, you know, no, not at all. And you and you had the variety show on. So uh, having the variety show, you had the whatever guest because it was a popular show, whatever guest pretty much you wanted to have on. I want to ask you about Groucho Marx, if you ever worked with him. Uh, yes, I did work with Groucho. Um, he did the Donnie Marie show. We had, uh, it was a, a, a big special. We had legends on, like, we had John Wayne on. We had Sid Sharif, Ethel Merman. We had, um, oh, <clears throat> um, Singing in the Rain. Gene Kelly? He did Singing in the Rain. Yep, Gene Kelly, my brain. Um, you know, I mean, Lucille Ball. It was Bob Hope. Everybody was on that show. But he, uh, they, they had him come out. He was in a wheelchair. And my my story with him is he kept telling me how beautiful I, I was, and then he pinched my butt. So he's a dirty old man. <laughs> he really did that? Oh, yeah. I think HR would not accept that today. No, different, different era, trust me. <laughs> well, in many ways, which actually I'd love to ask you about, but I want to talk about some of those names you just rattled off. I remember watching... Don't ask me how I remember this. A Donnie and Marie show where you did a takeoff of The Wizard of Oz. You mentioned Lucy, and she was in that show. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That, well, of course, I loved her. I, I loved a woman that could be business savvy, and yet her, her comedic timing. She was very tough, and it was wonderful to work with her. She taught me lighting. She taught me she said, men age, men get distinguished, women get old. Know your lighting. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, she was quite brilliant. But what was really cool about that particular episode, she played the tin woman. I was Dorothy, and Ray Bolger played himself. Which is the Scarecrow. So tell me about working the with... The Scarecrow. Yeah. yeah, he was the original Scarecrow. Yeah, that's... Just a... the most darling, wonderful man. And I got to sit and hear all these incredible stories of, of old Hollywood with these people. I was a curious child. And so I would sit, some of these people, you know, being 15 and 16 and 17, I didn't know uh, who they were, but I sure did my homework. And I think it's because of that I learned to love, you know, the great, you know, musical era of movies. And uh, I learned about the black and white I just learned about everything. I had such a great education when it came to entertainment and these people. So, yeah, I had a really, it was a very unique uh, education. <laughs> I, th I think you did 740 Bob Hope specials. What was that like? <laughs> you know, he was my second dad. And, and you know, he asked me, it was such an honor. He could have chosen anyone, but he asked me to do his very last. USO tour with him over in, in um, Saudi Arabia. Hmm. But I stood on the Wisconsin. The Pointer Sisters were with me. 
And uh, I stood on those guns that, like, four days later, uh, that's how the war was started on those continents, those guns. And I saw a lot of things that people don't get to see. As a matter of fact, you know, I'd flown to the Blue Angels and did all these really cool things. But what what was life-changing, my dad was an Army sergeant, and I got to go in and see the things that the Amer- that Americans don't really get to see, the tents lined with plasma and the soldiers suffering and the families that sacrifice. And that's life-changing. That's, that's, those are things that make you love our country and make you appreciate the sacrifices that have gone before for us to have our freedom. And so, you know, those are things that, that changed my life. Why do you think Bob Hope was so adamant about doing the tours? He once told me, actually... Uh, that it was all about, he realized early on that I've got a great crowd, they can't go anywhere, they're star for entertainment, they're going to laugh a lot, indeed they did, but I suspect he didn't tell me the whole story. No. No, Bob, Bob was the most tender-hearted person. You, could, you couldn't keep him home. Um, there's something about giving back. You know, I went through severe postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think, you know, I was one of the first celebrities to write a book about it. And uh, what I learned is that the only way I was able to pull out of it was I got a church calling where I had to serve like 35 young women. And it actually pulled me out of it because you get out of yourself. You get, you know, going through those types of things. Depression is a very selfish thing because um, it's all consuming. And so when you get to serve other people, it takes you out of that, that place of, feeling sorry for yourself, maybe, or just yeah. not able to help yourself. And for Bob, anything that he went through when he served over the holidays was his way of giving and feeling good, and he loved them. He, you know, one of my favorite stories is we were, on, we were going to Saudi Arabia. We were told we had to wear dresses clear down to our wrists and necks, way, you know, collars way up to our, 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 uh, our neck couldn't show and had to wear them to the floor. Well, I brought this little short red number just because, you know, I'm always prepared (laughs) (laughs) with beads. And we were on a, we were in Saudi Arabia, but we were in our own military camp. And we had thousands of guys out there and women waiting to see this show. And I came out of the dressing room with this little red number and he goes, Oh, that's my girl. You cheer them up. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was like, you know what? It's Christmas. We should be having festives and beads and not look like, you know. (laughs) But he he just loved anything that made him laugh. He loved, he liked how I interacted with the audience. But I do, I love entertainment and I learn from the best. Well, you are. I think that's the right way to say it. Of course, you're a singer, you're a musician, but you're an entertainer. Do do you think that there's somehow a difference? Is there a distinguishing fact? Does this question make any sense? Totally makes sense. And I think what you're saying is there are people that can entertain you, you know, with lights and smoke and mirrors and 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 uh synthesize this and that and i can too i uh, was in vegas for 11 years doing that with we had the, the number one show yeah but when wow. you hear real music coming from you know you talk about me being in the business for six decades uh these these musicians i mean this is their life they put their heart and soul into playing these instruments 
We'll be right back with the one and only Marie Osmond on WGN Radio. Once I'm lost for words. Marie Osmond on WGN Radio. It is clear, Marie, that you love kids. I mean, you began the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Uh, You're a philanthropist. uh, And a lot of that goes pointed toward children. Uh, Let me ask you a question about that. If today Marie Osmond were 22 years old or some such thing, would you be concerned about having children with the world the way it is now? I have grandchildren. I have eight beautiful grandchildren. Yeah. Um, And I feel that the world has always been in chaos at different times of its existence. Um, This is a time to choose. You know, you choose light and love or you choose discontent. I don't know. I'm very excited. I think I have beautiful grandchildren that are being raised to be very capable functioning human beings that give back to society. I think that's the key, is as parents, you get to choose how you want your children to give back as you teach them. Um, I do know that children need a lot of love, but they also need parents. They don't need best friends. And I can say that my parents were, were my parents until I got old enough to have children and they became my best friends. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I love them for that. So I think, you know, we're in a society where you can pretty much pick what you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, one of your LPs, Music is Medicine, was was a big seller. Uh, is that true? Is I mean, you mentioned your postpartum depression uh, earlier. Did you listen to music? Did it help you at that point in time? Oh. And do you hear from people that say, well... I'm I'm in this position or this place, either physically or mentally or both. And Marie Osmond, her music has helped me. You're so sweet, Steve. Music is power, I think. Maybe it's why I have chosen to learn to sing so many different styles. I, I don't know I don't know anybody really that sings multiple genres. Um I spent 25 years, my new album is unexpected, I'll talk about that in a second, but Music is Medicine came out. The thing that was fascinating to me about it is I knew it would be my last country album, and uh, I wanted to put songs on there that, that meant a lot to me. That song, I have, I have gotten more 20 to 30-year-olds from that album in, in my career right now, mm-hmm. and it's that song they love, Music is Medicine. Because I do believe music is healing, um, whatever it is. And, and I love it says, you know, that they, that they categorize it makes me mad. Music is music. Good music is good music. Whatever style it is, um, that's the power of... There's a lot of science behind it, too, how certain tones open up certain chakras of the body. We won't get into all of that. Uh, but to me, there's something, when you can't say it, you sing it. You know, mm-hmm. and and there is now science uh, that demonstrates exactly what you're talking about. Uh, one yeah. example it's pretty, is it's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, one example, and I've seen you know. So you read these things and you wonder, can that be true? But I've seen video of this. I mean, people with dementia who have a difficult time having a conversation, but you play, say, a Donnie and Marie song or whatever song it was from back in the day. 
And now they're beginning to sing the words, and it's this is actually a kind of therapy that's being used. You know, there, there's something about that. We've been through so much over the last two years, three years, and um, there's so much fear, and uh, I believe fear is such a negative emotion. It, it, stop, it shuts you down from living life. And I, I have felt very strongly, I'm, I can only do so many shows every holiday season, and um, like I said, I kind of picked areas and said, I think we need a little light and love here. Uh, Livia and I used to do that. We'd say, a little light and love here, a little light and love there. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I feel like whether it's uh, where I went to something with somebody and we shared love and conversation, had a good meal... It's like you said, you hear a song and you remember it from good times in your life and you can say the words of hope and love and and memories of good times and that we need to look towards that for the future. Uh, I know it sounds silly and ethereal-ish, no. <laughs> but I believe music does that and I think the right kind of show does that. doesn't sound silly to me. We need more of that today, I think. Uh, we only have a couple... I, mi- I think we do. We only have about two minutes left here and you said you have a new something coming out with you. So you're going to be doing hip-hop music? Is that it? <laughs> no. No, my, I just recorded my very last album. Uh, Maria's done. <laughs> what? You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's called Unexpected, and uh, I really did it as a labor of love. Um, really, honestly, Steve, I didn't think it would do anything. It was really to challenge myself and to sing another style of music that I personally love. When I did Sound of Music for Rodgers and Hammerstein, and I did King and I for them, I was kind of their girl for a while. But Sound of Music was the first show. And um, I went in and I said, I can't sing The Hills Are Alive with a country accent. <laughs> and so James Hammerstein, who was the son of Oscar, hooked me up with this lady who was a nun, and she taught me um, to sing legit. And, and during that, she said, Marie, because I had never taken singing lessons, she said, Marie, you can sing opera if you want. She said, you're a very high soprano. And I went, what? You know, shut up. (laughs) So I spent 25 years learning to do this album. And we went to uh, to Prague to record it. Um, It's a 17-song album. Obviously, I just recorded every song that I love. I could have put more on there, but, you know, whatever. But um, this album, Steve, debuted number one on Billboard. Oh my I mean, gosh! What? What? Tell me shut quickly. Shut the front door, right? I mean, I seriously unexpected. That was the perfect name. That is. But well, I've got. It, to, it, I'm, it, I'm it, cutting you off here only because if I don't hit the newscast on time, I'm in big trouble, and I need time to say you're Marie, in trouble. Yeah, I know, Marie Osmond. You know what? Talking to you has been an absolute joy. Thank you, and I mean oh, that. Sorry, Steve. So nice talking to you. Well, great talking with you, Marie Osmond.